Welcome to another episode of the Shanna Plan. This is episode 11. We are fresh off of two victories in a row from the 49ers after a stomping of the Patriots 33 to 6. Patriots did not reach the red zone. That was the worst home loss in Bill Belichick's tenure with the Patriots. I'm joined by Akash. Akash, what's up? What's up, KP? Uh, two weeks ago, the team was two and three. We were talking draft and quarterback and should they tank and two weeks later we're talking how did they get to the Super Bowl and so the moods changed it feels like the bandwagon is back and they've got a huge week upcoming my favorite week of the year uh, where the Niners come up to Seattle and play the rival Seahawks number one seed here we come baby (laughs) the roller coaster of the nfl is just so ridiculous but i'm glad you said that going from the draft and now the main focus is playoffs so we do have to lead off with injuries because we are talking about the 49ers and they cannot go a game without having somebody hurt it seems so debo samuel has a toss on third down up 24 believe it was in the fourth quarter it's easy to pick apart now i don't know why he was I understand why he was in the game. I don't understand why he was getting the carry, but he had a hamstring strain. It turned out on Monday that Kyle Shanahan said he's going to miss the next two weeks. He's not going to go on the injured reserve. Kyle Shanahan made it seem hopeful that if the if Thursday was not going to be a against Green Bay, if it wasn't a short week, that Debo may have been able to play on Sunday. But with that mini buy, he'll probably be back the following week against New Orleans Saints. So that's going to be a big blow because, I mean, Debo's mentality, Kyle talked about it. He really changes the game for this offense. Who do you think is going to replace Debo? It is going to be extremely tough to replace Debo Samuel. And yeah, that's that's an easy take, right? But uh, just what he brings to this offense, especially the last two weeks where it feels like they've found their identity again. Uh, they're starting to run the ball more and and more effectively, I should say. They're finding ways to get Debo Samuel the ball in space. Um, He leads the league in yards after catch per reception. It's not even close. I think he has like 13 and a half. The next closest guy's at nine. Um, They're just getting him the ball in space, and Kyle Shanahan is just letting Debo be Debo and the athlete that he is. Um, Brandon Ayuk is the closest guy on the roster to Debo, but the problem is, you know, when you have both of them, and then you pair that with George Kittle and the running backs and, and use check, then Kyle has a lot of ways to disguise what he's doing. And now when you take Debo, there's not a singular person on the roster that has that type of athleticism that Debo has. Um, I would imagine this means more playing time for Kendrick Bourne, um, who seems to be his best strength seems to be his availability uh, so far this season. Uh, Trent Taylor, I think only played like three snaps, but I imagine he sees an uptick this next week. Um, maybe they bring up Kevin White from the practice squad. I'm guessing Dante Pettis is still going to be inactive. Um, but yeah, it's going to be have it's going to have to be a committee effort to replace Samuel's impact. Um, he's just he's been spectacular these last two games, and um, yeah, I can't say enough about what he's done. Yeah, he for really the offense, he really has that. It was it's almost like he was taken for granted with when he was out and we, we've seen his, his tangible impact when he's in the game. So 49ers can just do so much more on offense when he's in there. I thought Kyle Shanahan had a brilliant game plan where he sort of used Debo as a running back for more or less where he's running off coverage, knowing that the Patriots are going to live in man coverage and he uses Debo underneath on these quick screens or these outlet throws. And it's just Debo and a linebacker or Debo and sometimes a defensive lineman in space. And he's going to win that race to the sideline, to the edge every single time. So I'm pretty fascinated to see if Kyle Shanahan just goes more to a traditional offense where Ayuk is just a traditional receiver, because that's another thing. You can use Brandon Ayuk as a traditional receiver where he's running go routes, he's running curl routes, he's running over routes and crossing routes. Will that be the case now without Debo? Because, I mean, Trent Taylor, as you mentioned, three snaps. He's been phased out of the offense for a reason because he has not been effective. Dante Pettis has been a healthy scratch for three games in a row because he has not been effective. Kevin White was sent back down or he hasn't played because the one time they gave him the ball in a kick return, he chose to run it out of the end zone and we have not seen him since. Um, 
yeah, there's no replacing Debo Samuel. I don't think that any team would be able to replace Debo Samuel, but with just the way that they've been hit by injuries, um, Kyle's Kyle's just going to have his work cut out for him like he has all season. So that's another thing. So Richie James Jr., he's day-to-day with an ankle injury. That's their returner, their kick returner. Um, we'll probably know more about his injury Wednesday. I imagine he's going to be day-to-day all week. Uh, the big blow, another big blow, Jeff Wilson went down. Jeff Wilson, high ankle sprain. He's going to go on the injury reserve. He's going to be out a month. Uh, I believe sixth or seventh person to suffer a high ankle sprain on this team, which is unheard of. Uh, running back position has been hit hard. Man. So Wilson, he's the FedEx nominee for player of the – for the rusher of the week. He's probably going to win. He had over 100 yards. He had three touchdowns. Ran like a maniac. Like ran so hard. It, it was really impressive. Um, loved watching him run like that. Sucks that we're not going to be able to see it for another month. Probably won't see that for the rest of the year because you'd imagine by then Mostert is back as well. But now the run, um, now the team is down to Jared McKinnon, who rarely played, was out snapped by Jamichael Hasty this last game. Had four snaps. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan talked about how they relied on him too much during the Eagles game, during the Dolphins game, and they want he made it sound like he wanted to keep him fresh, but you could just tell that the difference in McKinnon's running the ball and the difference in Hasty running the ball was a clear difference just because Hasty has more juice. Like McKinnon doesn't really have a second gear. I don't know if that's because the injuries or if that's because he has dead legs or whatever, but what do they do with the running back position? Knowing that Mostert's going to be out this week, knowing that Wilson's going to be out this week, do you just roll with Hasty? Yeah, that's risky. Uh, just because now you're asking Jamichael Hasty, undrafted free agent, who I think he, you know, a couple games ago, he had a bunch of snaps. He only had 10 snaps this last game. And you're asking him to be, kind of be the bell cow. Um, and even though he has more burst, like you mentioned, than than McKinnon does, they also got uh, Austin Walter, I think is his name on the practice squad. Is that right? Um, they've got Tevin Coleman, who Kyle Shanahan said has an outside chance of playing. So just having Coleman back, even if he doesn't play much, but just another healthy body would be um, good to have, I would say. Uh, but just, yeah, just back to Jeff Wilson, man. I think he had seven yards after contact, broke four tackles, just fantastic running. Um, and it was one of those, I, th- I thought Kyle Shanahan like pulled a Bill, Bill Belichick in New England where Bill Belichick does the thing where, especially on offense with Josh McDaniels over the you know past tenure, where they will come out with a game plan that you don't really expect, or they will utilize a player that you don't necessarily game plan for. And going into that game, we thought, okay, we're going to see a lot of McKinnon. We're going to see a lot of Hasty. We didn't really anticipate Jeff Wilson having the bulk of the carries because Wilson, you know, was was iffy going into the game, hadn't really practiced, and yet Kyle Shanahan put full trust in Wilson, gave him the bulk of the snaps, bulk of the carries, and he rewarded him for it. Um, and hopefully Hasty can do the same uh, this weekend in Seattle. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan is a master troll on Friday during his press conference. He's making it sound like he said Jeff Wilson was off to the side, only practiced for about 10 minutes, didn't do a lot. So there's no – that gives the Patriots no information at all. And then he comes out and just Wilson, 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 Wilson. So moving on, 33-6, was that more of the 49ers playing well or being this team that is coming together and looking more and more like the 2019 version and there has to be some sort of asterisk there because we know they're not going to get to that level based on the injuries. It's not possible for them to get to that level, but we're seeing them play like a more complete team, a more complimentary football team that looks like they can actually beat good teams. And that's good to know, but because looking at some of the numbers I mentioned at the top, Patriots don't reach the red zone for the entire game. So for an NFL team, that's very, very good for the defense, not so much for the offense. The Patriots rushing offense had 94 rushing yards, 48 of those came on the final two drives. So the defense completely shut them down. Robert Sala had a great defensive plan. I mentioned Kyle Shanahan, what he did. The 49ers, I believe they scored on four of their first five possessions. And the one was just the interception or just an errant throw. So it's not like they were struggling to move the ball at all. And what do you think? Is that because the 49ers are this transforming into this dominant team or is the Patriots that bad? Uh, It's a little bit of both, I think. Uh, you and I both picked the 49ers to win this game. We didn't think it would be this much of a blowout, but we thought the 49ers would be able to uh, win kind of comfortably, even though they were underdogs going into the game. Hence, we both bet on them. 
Um, I thought they were fantastic situationally. Uh, five for nine on third down, four, four or five in the red zone. Those are winning numbers, right? They outgained the Patriots by over 220 yards. Uh, they possessed the ball for longer. They uh, just, I think they ran what, uh, 37 times. Kyle Shanahan always has like 30 as kind of the magic number. Um, that was more of the style that we've been used to seeing out of this team. And like you mentioned, they're not going to hit the high end uh, like they did in 2019 because the team just doesn't have uh, the same defense, same pass rush, whatever. Um, but given that type of a game plan, they should be able to beat a lesser team like the Patriots um, handily. And, you know, on the flip side, uh, New England don't know what's going on with them. Um, they have, it seems like they have no talent offensively on this, you know, uh, for their skill positions. Cam Newton looked completely off through three picks, just bad throws. Um, he's really looked off since that Seattle Sunday night game. And then defensively outside of Stefan Gilmore, who I thought didn't even play particularly well. Uh, it just seems like they, they're lacking playmakers and lacking talent. And I thought Kyle Shanahan just took Bill Belichick to the shed, um, uh, and just out game planned him out schemed him. Uh, and hence the, the score reflects that. Yeah, I think uh, I tweeted this during the game that we're just looking at a track team where it was a team full of sprinters on one side and then it was a team full of long-distance runners on the other side. Yeah, I could analogy. A really good job of making whoever number 51 was. He, for, he does this every week where he will put a bullseye on your worst player's back and they highlighted 51 who – probably is as fast as all three of us on this pod. And I imagine neither of us have ran very much in the last month or so. So he just, he didn't look very good. He didn't look very good at all. And they took advantage of him. And that's going to be the theme moving forward. I want to talk about some of the players who stood out in a good way, because there are some very impressive performances. I thought as a whole, the offensive line played really well. Jimmy was only here one time during the game. And that was a sack where Mike McGlinchey just didn't pick up a stunt. And if that, if you have, as if you throw the ball as much as the 49ers did, and there's only one miscommunication, one time where Jimmy's hit, that's real good. Cannot yeah. cannot do better than that. And I thought on the ground they did really well as well. They played really well. So you had 36 carries, I believe it was, for five and a half yards per carry. So you know Oof. the 49ers are going to run the ball. And if you can't stop their running game, then you don't have much of a chance. And yeah, on both sides of the ball, they did really well. Fred Warner lights out as always. All pro interception. He had a couple of routes where he's just guarding Julian Edelman one-on-one. Like they're isolating him and it's just not working. Cam has to hold the ball and then he has to scramble and force the punt. Um, I tweeted this from Niners Nation account today that Fred Warner has the fifth best odds to win defensive player of the year for a linebacker through seven weeks. That is very impressive because all the guys ahead of him, they can just rack up sacks. Yeah, Fred can't do that. He's, it's going to have to be tackles, which – People really are kind of past that number nowadays anyway, which tells you how much of an impact he's making. So that was it for me. I thought the coaching staff played really well. Um, obviously, Jeff Wilson, Fred Warner, uh, Brandon Ayuk looked like an actual NFL receiver, like he was winning in NFL receiver way. So we, we really haven't had a chance to see that. So that was impressive to me. Who, who stood out for you? Uh, I'll give you one on offense. Kyle Juszczyk, I thought, played his butt off. Um, he... It's one of those guys that will never get the shine that they deserve just because he is like the key cog that makes that running game go. Um, but, you know, there's no stats or there's no there's nothing that shows how good he plays or how well he plays, I should say. And, you know, one of the things that Bill Belichick did against the Rams in that Super Bowl, and you know this as well as I do, is like the 6-1 front where they, they line up, you know, six defenders right up against the line of scrimmage and they make it you know, tough for the offense to run the ball against that. Yet I felt like Kyle Juszczyk was the key um, sort of chess piece in destroying that, I'd, I'd say. Uh, whether it was motioning Juszczyk, using him as the lead blocker. They even used him as a runner. He had a rushing touchdown. Uh, they move him all around. He blocks defensive backs. He had a pancake. He blocks linebackers, defensive ends. Just sort of whatever's asked of him, he's able to do it and do it well. And when he plays like that, it gives the running game so much more confidence. Um, and I thought he was a winner and, uh, give him some love just cause he's never going to get the shine that he probably deserves as a fullback. Um, but he, he's playing like the best, best one in the league. So I'd say, um, uh, offensively, I'd, I'd say he's a winner. 
defensively, Jamar Taylor, just because he had the two picks. Um, he's got tough shoes to fill. He's probably the weakest cor- corner uh, of the three guys playing. But, um, yeah, I thought he played played well on uh, Sunday. <clears throat> he did. And now that you mentioned that, I thought Tarverius Moore played his butt off as well. Yeah, yeah, He had a couple of really nice pass breakups. or He had one pass breakup. He had one other play where he just came down screaming and made a stop that forced the Patriots to punt on fourth and one. And from there, they just struggled to move the ball after that. Um, the only negative that I really had was the pass rush. Uh, Robert Pollard, like you can't you can't rely on your defensive coordinator to continually scheme up pressure. And that's what happened. The first, the, essentially the only time the 49ers really got after the Patriots was Fred won on a blitz, so he beat the running back. And then they brought Dre Greenlaw off the edge, and he was unblocked for a sack. So even then, the only person that won as a pass rusher in the first half was DJ Jones. That is not acceptable. I understand that the uh, the 49ers have been hit hard by injuries because, you know, Nick Bosa, D Ford, Solomon. We talk about all these guys. Uh, Kerry Hyder is a competent player, but you have two first round picks. You have Eric Armstead, you have Javon Kinlaw, and the 49ers are getting nothing from those guys as far as pass rushing goes. And I know this is, again, goes back to like the pressures talk. That does not affect quarterbacks in the same way as actually hitting him. If you hit a quarterback, that will affect him as far as throwing the ball, moving around in the pocket. Pressures, it's just, it really doesn't have the same impact. So that's where I went. How do you feel about the pass rush going into knowing the next three quarterbacks at the 49ers face? Yeah, uh, they stink. I mean, they're they're 24th right now in uh, uh, pass protection, or sorry, not pass protection, pass rush, uh, based on football outsiders. Uh, they only have 12 sacks so far. Their adjusted sack rate is 5.4%, um, which, like I said, I think ranks 24th right now. Uh, so they're not very good up front rushing the passer, um, which is evident when you turn on the tape and you just watch them. Uh, quarterbacks have uh, ample time and somehow, you know, from 2019 to 2020, they've morphed from a pass rush first team to a like coverage first team. Um, but, you know, heading into the next three weeks where they play Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Drew Brees, uh, those are guys that are going to pick this defense apart, in my opinion, uh, just because of the lack of pass rush. Like it's going to be hard for, Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley and K1 Williams, if he returns this week to like cover for five, six seconds. Um, and the one game that Aaron Rodgers struggled, for instance, was against Tampa Bay. And what they do, they got pressure like every other snap. The other games, he's picked apart the defenses. And I fully expect him to do that on Thursday night in a couple weeks. Um, I think Russ is going to do the same thing. Russ, even with a pass rush last year, makes it tough on you just because given how elusive he is. And without a pass rush, he should be able to stand comfortably uh, and uh, rip apart this defense. I think they're fifth or sixth in ESPN's pass block win rate. Seattle is. So they're pass blocking well this season too. And so I think Russell have success. And and Drew Brees has never been one to like hold the ball for very long. Right. He gets the ball out quick, short throws. Uh, So even with a pass rush, it was hard to get to him. And now it's going to be even harder. Um. So they're definitely going to miss it. They get Jordan Willis, the Jets, the trade that the 49ers did with the Jets. Uh, not really sure what to expect from him, right? To me, he just feels like a guy uh, that he's just an able body that they can throw in there. So, yeah, the the pass rush, I think, is going to really get exposed over the next few weeks uh, just based on the quarterbacks they play. And what's going to happen is people are going to – critique the cornerbacks because they gave up a reception after covering for six seconds and they are going to all of a sudden think that the cornerbacks are bad when in reality not getting a pass rush is going to be the issue so it's going to be something to keep an eye on they're it's going to be tough for them to you know make a deal add somebody else essentially they just need their guys to get back but it's going to be another month or so until you know julian taylor ronald blair get back and even then they're not going to be you know these saviors so Robert Sala also has his work cut out for him. I thought he did a really good job. And to be fair, the the beginning of the Patriots game, the 49ers were using more of like a pass, push, mush, rush to kind of contain Cam and 
they really forced the New England's receivers to win outside and they could not. Um, that's not going to be the case with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, believe it or not. So uh, we always have to talk about the quarterback. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo played okay. He played fine. Uh, he didn't really do anything out of the ordinary. I saw when he threw the out route to George Kittle, who beat Stephon Gilmore on an out route on third down. The Patriots used the reigning defensive player of the year to guard a tight end in this game on third down. So that tells you what Bill Belichick thinks about Kittle was not going to let Kittle beat them. Did not work. Um, but he was just on time. I think the best part about Jimmy's game Jimmy's game against the Patriots was he throwing the ball on time. He was getting it accurate. And there were a couple of times where he threw the ball, you know, inaccurate. He threw the ball where Juszczyk had to dive. But Kyle Shanahan brought up a good point where he had to get the high snap. So he's just trying to get rid of as fast as he can. Um, there was another play on the Ayuk one where people were talking about the deep ball, the 38 yarder. And that just, that wasn't an accurate throw. I, I've seen the different excuses for it. That's a touchdown in any other game. Like for anybody else, that's an easy walk-in touchdown. But I know um, the kid gloves are still on whenever we talk about him. I just feel like, and we've talked about him every week. It seems like there's some sort of never-ending thread with Jimmy every day on 49ers Twitter. Uh, I just all I ask is that we raise the bar for a quarterback that's making 27 million, and we are not impressed by him throwing wide open over routes or throwing the ball on time. As soon as he does something that is, you know, worthy of praise, I have no issue of giving him that type of help, um, that type of praise because we've seen it before and I've done it before. It just hasn't happened. If he plays like he did against New England, they'll be fine. Like That's not the bad version of Jimmy. And I actually wrote about him being aggressive, him being able to like just the fact that he's willing to throw the ball down the field. Like, for example, the second interception, no problem with that at all. And if anything, that's on Ayuk for not even attempting to make a play on the wall. He just watched the ball in the air. Yeah. Looked like he had no interest in doing anything about it. Um, he can't do that. Like that's on him for sure. But Jimmy being willing to give his guys an opportunity to make plays is what we need to see. So that was good. Uh, what were your thoughts about Jimmy during the game? Yeah, I thought Jimmy Garoppolo probably had his best performance of the season. It was either this or last week. And last week I thought, uh, Kyle Shanahan really had like the training wheels on on Jimmy, uh, especially early in that game. This week, I felt like it came off a little bit, and Garoppolo looked a little bit more comfortable. Um, you know, a big area of criticism where we hit him is just being accurate down the field and between zero and twenty yards, so not behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Garoppolo was eleven of fourteen, had one hundred thirty nine yards, and he had that one pick. Uh, which was egregious. Luckily, the defense held and only gave up three points. Uh, like that's the kind of play you can't have, just because if you're playing a better offense, if it's a tighter game, like those things matter, and you can't have an overthrow uh, like Garoppolo did there. Uh, but outside of that, I thought he played better than like the box score showed. Um, and you know, credit to Kyle Shanahan for calling a good game. Uh, just some other numbers that I thought were interesting on Garoppolo. Uh, his expected completion rate, so this is something Next Gen Stats does, uh, was 76% uh, on Sunday. And that was the highest of any quarterback in the NFL. Uh, so what that tells you is that Cal is dialing up easy, simple throws for Jimmy Garoppolo to make. And his receivers are getting good enough separation that he should be completing you know, three-fourths of his passes. Uh, he completed 80%, so he's doing what's being asked of him. He's executing within the game plan, even if the game plan is simplified uh, to hide his weaknesses and amplify his strengths. Uh, his completed air yards uh, was like the sixth lowest. It was only 4.3 yards uh, per pass, which is ridiculous, but it worked right against the Patriots. And I think it'll work against uh, the majority of defenses when you have Debo Samuel, when you have Brandon Ayuk, when you have George Kittle and all those guys healthy and they're running the ball like that. The question is when, you know, one or two of those guys are out, when you're not running the ball as well, this game plan may not work, and that's when they're going to need Jimmy to evolve and hit some more passes down the field. Uh, the other thing that Next Gen Stats has that I thought was interesting is uh, this metric called aggressiveness. I don't know how they come up with it, but Jimmy Garoppolo had the, the lowest aggressiveness rate of this week at like 8%. Um, so clearly he's not pushing the ball into like tight windows or anything like that. 
Um, you and I both criticized him for that deep throw to Brandon Ayuk. Uh, if that's a touchdown, Jeff Wilson doesn't run the ball in the next play and maybe doesn't get hurt. Like those know. things have like a snowball effect. Uh, he just pushed him too far uh, outside. Should have been like more up the the hash mark because uh, there was just one deep safety out there. And so, yeah, I mean, he played a good game. I, I don't want to crush him too much for it. Um, but he's going to have to be better, especially these next three, four weeks when they play better offenses and they're going to need to score more to try to keep up. So the issue is whenever there's a topic about Jimmy Garoppolo, people will quickly tell you who's, who else. And they'll go, what about Gabbert? What about Beathard? What about Mullins? This has nothing to do with them. You are talking about a quarterback making $27 million compared to literal career backups. That's not how this works. Nobody is thinking in those terms. Only you, the fan, are thinking in those terms. So that's why I asked that we raise the bar. For example, on these over routes, there was one where Ayuk, if he throws it in front of him, he's probably still running, but he throws it behind him. Ayuk does a good job, makes the guy miss, gets upfield, gets like 20 yards or something. But he shouldn't have to do that is what I'm saying. And I know that there people are always like, why don't you just enjoy the win? They won by a lot. I enjoy the process. And th- if you evaluate the process, you're not going to be surprised what happens at the end of the year. I'm not saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be here, but if he keeps doing like this where Kyle has to dumb down the offense and use players like gadget players, uh, it's pretty obvious that he's not going to be here. And I'm, that's another thing. I'm just talk, black and white is as, as how I watch football. Uh, yes, I root for the 49ers to win. It'd be great if Jimmy Garoppolo was 20 for 20 for with five touchdowns and I could just be a fanboy and talk about how well he's playing. When that happens, I will do it, but it's not happening right now. And he's fine. He was fine against New England, but he's going to have to just be a little bit more consistent with his ball placement. I thought his timing was good. I thought his timing was probably the best we've seen all year. That is a big positive because that gives you a chance. So as long as they have a chance, they will be fine. So go ahead. I was going to say back to the Brandon Ayuk throw. That's the first throw all season that Jimmy Garoppolo has hit over 20 air yards. He was 0 for 9 uh, with like two picks before that, I think. That was the first deep throw he had hit all season, and it was a bad throw. Brandon Ayuk was wide freaking open. If you watch the replay on that, he is upset after that. Like, he is yeah. mad. He throws the ball. Yeah, because he knows it should have been a touchdown. Yes, yes. Um, so I, I've, this is fair critique, and I know that it's tough when you just only care about the result, but we're talking about the process, and that's why we do this. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about some wild trade rumors and – preview the luckiest team in america all right we are back and per the biggest nfl reporter on twitter at sir yacht he says the 49ers are offering the saints the most for michael thomas behind the scenes per source so all right and i told you this a little bit or i told you this this morning where there there's actually a way for this deal to work just because Michael Thomas's contract, if the Saints were to trade him after this year, they'd be on the hook for $6 million in dead money, and they would actually save a million in cap space. So his base salary for 2020, his base salary is only a million dollars. So the 49ers could make that work, hypothetically. Would they have to probably come off with a high draft pick? Uh, yeah, that's going to happen. Michael Thompson is under contract until 2024. You're not going to get him for pennies. He's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. He would be an outstanding fit. Um, would the 49ers deal for him after just being suspended for punching his teammates? Probably not. They always talk about culture. But again, talent trumps all in the NFL. Antonio Brown has a job. Why? Who knows? But we see it every week or every year where – Guys get second, third chances just because they are really good at football. But, I mean, the probability of the 49ers acquiring Michael Thomas is very, very low. But it's just funny that we're, we're going to see a lot of these rumors come up over the next week because of trade deadline, November 3. Um, the 49ers, they, just, they have like $17 in cap space. So, I mean, they're not going to be able to do much at all. What do you think about that rumor? And do you think the 49ers will make any sort of move? 
Yeah. So first of all, Sir Yacht's claim to fame is like bringing Big Ten football back. I guess he had some like connections with some athletic directors at some Big Ten university, and he was all over that. And since then, he's turned into like Schefter 2.0. Uh, though I'm pretty sure he's missed on a lot of his, uh, you know, breaking news or whatever. Shocker. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but on Michael Thomas, it's a it's it's a luxury. Like, why would the 49ers go after Michael Thomas when they have uh, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, and Kendrick Bourne, and like all these different guys on offense? And Kyle Shanahan's trying to run the ball a bunch. Like, what do you need another high end receiver for? Uh, cons- and considering you know Debo's injuries week to week, uh, that part just doesn't make sense to me. If it was like a high end pass rusher or defensive lineman or whatever that would make a little bit more sense to me i would at least consider it this one just doesn't make sense it just seems kind of egregious and like you mentioned the 49ers have really i think it's like less than a hundred thousand dollars in cap space so they're not going to make a move for anybody unless they send out money right um and just given where they are i think they're just going to ride with the team that they've got uh all the players that they can trade are hurt so yeah 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 exactly so they're just gonna ride with what they've got and milk as much juice as they can out of this season i think it just doesn't make sense to me to give up future draft capital especially like you're probably gonna have to give up a first or second round pick to get michael thomas and it's like is that worth it like uh, i don't think so so cool cool little rumor for twitter but nah, it's just not gonna happen yeah, Everson Griffin was probably the closest if they were going to make a deal. I mean, people keep talking about Ryan Kerrigan from Washington, uh, Carlos Dunlap from Cincinnati. Uh, Ryan Anderson is a second-round pick, a former second-round pick, I believe, from Alabama. He was not good at Alabama. He has not been good in the NFL. So I would be surprised if they make that move. Again, they're just it, – it, they have who they have right now. So um, I, I'm just not sure what else they can do. So moving on from the trade and, and circling back here on Jimmy, three-year anniversary on the 49ers quarterback. So has the franchise completely turned around? How much is Jimmy responsible for that? Go. Um, he ha- he's, he's pretty responsible for it, just given the fact that the alternative would be like C.J. Beathard or Nick Mullins or somebody else. Um. You know, when they at the time when they made the move for Jimmy Garoppolo three years ago, I'm still pretty confident that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch had full intention to go and get Kirk Cousins uh, the following year. And that was a plan from day one when they took the job. But when Bill Belichick offers you Jimmy Garoppolo for a second round pick who was available and your team was whatever, one in 10 at the time or one in nine or whatever they were, you go ahead and make the you go ahead and make the deal. And, you know, you and I criticized garoppolo for various things but he you know took the team to the super bowl which they wouldn't have been able to do without him um when he's on the field they win uh more than when he's not so uh yeah he he deserves some credit for it no matter you know how much we critique him for uh different areas of his game yeah and i think that's fair to say he is responsible for a Good portion of the 49ers success. John Lynch has done a good job of adding players and adding players that complement other players. I don't think it should be based on the other option is CJ Beathard because you can do, you know, the whole drafting and the whole acquiring another quarterback. So there, and that's just um, a billion different rabbit holes we can go down to. But with what they did and only spending a second round pick for a quarterback who has had as much success as Jimmy Garoppolo has had. That is a big win for the franchise and for Jimmy. So, yeah, you you definitely have to give him credit there. Uh, let's get to the rival of all rivalries. So, Seattle Seahawks on the road. 49ers are busting out the all-white babies, which are unquestionably one of the toughest uniforms in the NFL. Will they make a difference? We will see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, as a, as a person that watches the Lakers a lot, uh, whenever they broke out the black Bamba jerseys in the playoffs, it just felt like they had this like next gear invincible nest to them. And it feels like that with the 49ers when they break out those white uniforms, they know that it's a big freaking game and they know that they've got to like ball out in those uniforms. And it, it gives them this like extra, like, uh, like superpower almost 
even though it's just like a piece of cloth. But it feels like that. Yeah, look good, play good. That's what Primetime always said. And and you can tell that there is some extra level of um, just good play when they have those jerseys on. So let's talk about Seattle. Seattle fresh off a loss where they held the lead against Arizona for essentially the entire game. They, the, the, so the Arizona 0-0 tie game. The next time the game was tied was when it was 34-34 to headed into overtime. Arizona really didn't have um, – any business being in that game, but Seattle squandered their opportunities. Pete Carroll was Pete Carroll's as far as his clock management and decision-making. And I mean, Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals tried to do their best to give that game away, but Seattle came away with the loss. Their defense is just not good at all. And quietly Russell Wilson has been turning the ball over and he hasn't played very well. So just looking at some stats um, here, here's where Russell Wilson stacks up from weeks three to Seven. So using EPA per play, um, again from weeks three to seven, Russell Wilson is thirteenth, and we're used to seeing him. And that doesn't that might not sound like much. Uh, we're just used to seeing him being like top three in everything. So he's thirteenth in EPA per play since week three, as far as success rate goes. Uh, Russell Wilson is actually seventeenth. So he, I mean, he's turning the ball over. He has made some questionable decisions. Obviously, he's Russell Wilson still, and he's gonna put, he's gonna make those eye popping highlight throws. And he, do, I think, he does make good decisions as far as who to throw the ball to. But it always seems like he makes this weird, dumb mistake near the sideline, where he gives you opportunities, and the 49ers cannot afford to mess those opportunities up. And the real reason the 49ers have a chance to beat the Seahawks is not going to be when Russell Wilson is on the field. Uh, talk about yeah. that a little bit. Uh, they're atrocious. They're a train wreck. I I don't know how, how they're this bad, right? They traded for Quentin Dunbar in the off season. We thought that was a pretty good move. Then they yeah. went out and traded for Jamal Adams, high level playmaker. And, you know, he's missed some time with a groin injury, but again, even when he's been in there, they haven't looked particularly good uh dvoa they're the 28th best defense right now the only defenses that are worse are the texans the cowboys which you don't ever want to be mentioned uh with the cowboys when it comes to defense uh the vegas raiders again train wreck and the jacksonville jaguars they are uh 30th in pass defense dvoa the only worst teams are atlanta uh who feel like they give up like a gajillion yards and jacksonville Sneaky, they have a pretty good run defense. They're top 10. They're ninth uh, in rush defense DVOA. Uh, so that would be the best rushing defense that the 49ers have played in the past few weeks. That's an area of the field that the Rams and Patriots have really struggled in. Uh, the other thing that on the, on the Seahawks defense, they've given up the most yards through six games in NFL history, both passing yards and total yards by a wide margin. Uh, I think it was like 300 yards more than the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs. And I get it's an offensive era. It's easier to put up points, put up yards. But this Seahawks defense is a train wreck. And we talk about uh, the Niners not having a pass rush. The Seahawks really don't have a pass rush. Um, they lost uh, Bruce Irvin earlier in the year. They obviously don't have Jadavion Clowney from last season. And they've fallen off the map. They only have nine sacks. Uh, and they're 28th in adjusted sack rate at 4.2%. That's a percent lower than the Niners, and we think they don't have a pass rush at all. So Seahawks' defense is a is a mess. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to take Ken Norton Jr. to the shed. I think there's a chance they 40-piece them if you know if the game needs it. Um, yeah, I just think that low uh, of the, the Seahawks' defense. Yeah, I mean, they're not good. There's no way – there's no other way to sugarcoat it. So – this is where missing a guy like Debo Samuel just hurts because if Debo Samuel is on the field, Kyle Shannon's able to do whatever he wants to do. And last week, last year, I thought probably one of Jimmy Garoppolo's best games was week 17 against the Seahawks, where he is playing on time. Like he's throwing the ball on time, he's throwing accurate, he's standing in there knowing. That, you know, if he gets hit, he gets hit, whatever. But he's giving guys a chance. So if they have week 17's version of Jimmy Garoppolo, they are going to do work against this team. So the Seahawks are 23rd in EPA per play, uh, drop back EPA per play, sorry. 
the 25th in dropback success rate. The Seahawks have allowed the fourth most explosive passing plays. So they should be able to essentially draw up whatever they want and um, just have Garoppolo a lot of- has to hit him. Yeah, yeah. He's like, and that's what I mean by aggressive, like the aggressive version of Jim Garoppolo. He has to make those throws. It doesn't matter if they're incomplete or not, but just keep the defense honest. So um, as far as pressure rate goes, the Seahawks are getting pressure on 20% of their of the opponent's uh, passes for comparison the 49ers are getting pressure on 27 percent. so uh, just a big big drop off there when you're just talking about these teams and the Seahawks aren't really getting to the quarterback either so um, as far as knocking the quarterback down and then uh, let me I forgot what their total sacks were I don't think they're up there either in total sacks it's nine in adjusted sack rate uh, adjusted sack rate, it's 4.2%. They're 28th, I think. I just oh, pulled it up. Yeah, that, so, yeah they're so that, 28th. And I think when Jimmy Garoppolo knows the threat, and this is any quarterback, not just Jimmy, and, I mean, Baker Mayfield's probably the best example, but when you know you're not going to get hit, you're going to play better. When you know the threat of the pass rush is not going to be there, you just play with more confidence. So that probably tied into week 17, and I think that's going to have a big effect in this one. Um, Brandon Ayuk should have a day. The, the the Seahawks linebackers, they do do a good job of, you know, just getting to where they need to be relating to receivers over the middle of the field. But George Kittle's George Kittle. You're not going to be able to stop him. Uh, Stephon Gilmore couldn't stop him. I believe there was like one route where he really got Kittle, but, I mean, Kittle's Kittle. So what will we see from Kendrick Bourne? Will he be the consistent Kendrick Bourne? Uh, will it be Trent Taylor? I think it should not be Trent Taylor. I don't mean to crap on him, but he he just gives them nothing. He, there's I don't understand what he can do. I know he's you know consistent and he has quote unquote sure hands, but he cannot separate. He, he is lacking that gear like Jared McKinnon. But I mean Kyle Shanahan, he'll know he'll know what to do. Um, Again, this is a game where a guy like Moster, just like the speed demon, would just go a long way. So that is why I'm a little bit hesitant to, you know, say that they're going to score all these points because it's it seems like again, we call them the luckiest team on the planet for a reason. They always get these wild breaks. It can be a holding call and that just stalls the drive, which happened a couple of times last week, but luckily, you know, the offense had a good throw. Those. Yeah. So um, but this game will be pretty fascinating for a lot of reasons. I'm interested to see how Salah um, attacks the offense as far as does he try to just contain Russ like he did Cam and rely on his corners on the outside and pretty much take away the middle of the field. I don't know. There, There's so many different ways, so many different um, news and notes in this game. What do you think is going to be the difference? Um, I think it's going to come down to time of possession. Uh, so the 49ers right now are sixth in time of possession per drive and they're 12th in points per drive. Uh, it's easier said than done. And we always say this when teams play really good quarterbacks and high flying offenses, the best defense you can play against those teams is to keep them off the field. And what have the 49ers done in the first halves of basically the last two weeks? Yeah, They have possessed the ball. They've had long drives. They've had drives where it's just like run, 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 pass, run, 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 pass. It's just long drives, keeps the other defense on the field. And what that does is it keeps Russell Wilson and their offense out of rhythm, out of sync. And I think if they're able to do that, if they're able to possess, stay ahead of the chain, stay on schedule, and you know win the time of possession battle and win the rushing attempts battle, um, I think they can come away with a win. Um, just like... If we, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. If we were to rank the four units in this game, I think the Seahawks offense probably the best. Niners offense and Niners defense is probably pretty 50-50. I'll give the edge to the offense just because they have more talent. And then the, you'd say the Niners defense. And then there's a long gap till you get to the Seahawks defense. That's fair. Uh, Grand Canyon type gap. So if it just plays out like it did the last few weeks where I think the Niners have a ton of confidence. Um, just Like you mentioned, Russell Wilson... Hasn't been playing well these past few weeks. Russell Wilson on third down has not been good. Uh, he's, he's 17 of 38 on third down with one touchdown, three interceptions, and six sacks. If they can get him to third down, they can get some type of pass rush um, and just force some timely stops. Garoppolo doesn't make the boneheaded mistake. 
I think they can come out of there with a win. Uh, the weather's looking good. It's not supposed to rain. It's actually supposed to be sunny, which is uh, pleasant for a Seattle fall Sunday. Um, there's no fans, obviously, no 12th man. I think they're 3-0 and on the road. They got the 94 whites. I'm just, just putting all those things together. I, I can see them pulling away with this game. Yeah, and it's tough to disagree with any of that. I, I do think you mentioning the confidence does play a, a bigger factor than we're willing to discuss just because they've been rolling. Like the offensive line, they've been rolling. The running backs, they've been rolling. Jimmy Garoppolo, even seeing him complete passes down the field, seeing him complete passes over the middle of the field. Like he tends to have a short-term memory, which is one of his best traits as well. So being able to have the success that they've had on offense should go a long way. And the defense has been playing lights out. Like the defense has gotten turnovers. So that sticks in your mind. They're playing fast. I imagine we'll see Fred Warner blitzing a lot more just because, I mean, I don't want to call him the best pass rusher on the team, but if you were to, I would not disagree with you. I'll just leave it <laughs> like that. Um, I imagine we see more Kevin Givens. He got his first career sack, man. Shout out to Kevin Givens. He's, he's played well all season. Uh, but something, somebody up front has to step up. Is this the game where – Javon Kinlaw plays like a first rounder. Is this the game where um, Eric Armstead plays up to his contract? You mentioned their pass block win rate. That to me is more of a sign that Russell Wilson gets rid of the ball fast or just plays well. Because when I watch their offensive line, I don't get the sense that they're this dominant, improved unit. I do see them get beaten a lot. Uh, It's just going to be up to whether the 49ers can take advantage of that. I think the difference in this game will be if the 49ers are able to hit their big plays or not because they will be there. They will be there early and they will be there often. So if Jimmy is able to hit them, if one of the running backs is able to break, you know, uh, a bigger run because Hasty, even against the Patriots in those limited touches, he has 20 yards, uh, 18 yards, like he nine yards. He's had these gains where he's consistently, you know, going above and beyond what you would expect for him. So yeah, the talent is there and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how both coordinators and 49ers attack. I don't know. I don't really have a score prediction because I haven't I feel like I haven't dug into this enough. I want to I want to rewatch rewatch the Seahawks and Cardinals game just to kind of see how bad Seattle was on defense. But um, I think I'll have a better idea moving forward. Uh, I will here. I'll throw out a prediction here. I do think they're going to win just because uh, for everything that you said and for everything that we've talked about on this podcast. Seattle will forever be overrated in my mind. Like Russell Wilson hides so much of what they do. I think 100%. I think Tyler Lockett is amazing. I think DK Metcalf is a really, really good receiver. But outside of that, Jamal Adams is not going to play. Chris Carson, not going to play. That means – Griffin probably not playing. I think even Mike Davis is out. Like, or are they going to call Marshawn back? Like, what's going to happen? Who is going to run the ball for them? Uh, if you turn them into a one-dimensional, uh, one-dimensional team – the 49ers cornerbacks are better than Arizona's. Like Patrick Peterson is just not the same Patrick Peterson anymore. I will take Jason Brett every day of the week over Patrick Peterson. It's going to be about the matchups, though. I do like Mosley guarding DK Metcalf based on how he played him last year. I do like Barrett against um, excuse me, against T, uh, TJ Lockett, uh, Tyler Lockett. So those like if that were to be the matchup in man coverage, I would like that. It's not going to always play out like that just because. They stick to the same sides because Salah thinks this is college. Oh, that's a whole other podcast we can do. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I, I do like the matchups. I think that the 49ers, um, their offensive line should be able to give Jimmy time and create rushing lanes for the running backs. And I'm, I think that was a really good point you had about how they hold on to the ball. And they just know who they are after these last two games. So I will say 49ers 27, Seattle 26. What is your score prediction? Yeah, if I had to, like, paint a picture of this game it's going to look very similar to uh the week 17 game i think the niners come out they look really good on offense it they they look in that first half where you look like is this going to be a blowout game where they're able to run the ball jimmy looks comfortable i think he didn't have like an incompletion in that first half like they were rolling and i would i imagine russ in the second half does his usual uh circus act and keeps the team in it and it's always going to be a little clo- little too close for comfort uh, with the Seahawks because you can just never seem to put, put them away. They're always in these weird one-possession games. Um, but I do think the Niners uh, pull this one out. Like you mentioned, I really like the Mosley-Metcalf matchup. 
I thought Mosley played really well. Uh, Metcalf uh, looks like a freak this season, but I do like that. I do like Verrett uh, against Lockett. I also like if Lockett were to move inside uh, and Kwan Williams were to play, I, I also like that matchup. Um, I just think the 49ers right now are a better overall team than the Seahawks are, even if Russ is by far the best player on the field. And just given everything else that's going on and just kind of the confidence that San Francisco is playing with, I think they pull it out. I think they win 31 to 28. Uh, I think it's a little bit higher scoring. But yeah, I think they take care of business. I think they move to five and three and uh, climb out of last place in the NFC West after Sunday. Man, if they are able to win these three games in a row, that, I mean, what can you, Kyle Shannon yeah. has to be coach of the year, right? There's 100%. What else? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Doing this with essentially injury, injury, injury. Like they're losing guys, not just, you know, backup players. They're, they're losing critical starters of the game plan to the IR. Like they're not just out day to day. They're going on the injured reserve. So uh, just just an impressive coaching performance if they are able to pull this out. We'll see, man. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be I mean, it's always going to be around the game of the year with these two teams. You never know what's going to happen. It's we know it's not going to be a blog no matter what happens, no, but no. it'll be an interesting game. Can't wait. Hopefully, once we get back here, we're talking about another win. And then it's the Packers on a short week who the 49ers will forever match up well against. Can't wait to break that one down here. Hopefully, again, five and three. Uh, Akash, anything else that we need to talk about before we get out of here? Nothing much, man. Uh, just it's been a lot more fun on the podcast to talk about winning football than like losing blowout Brian Allen type football. So I hope they just keep it rolling so we can we can keep talking after W's. Yeah, the 49ers released Brian Allen on Tuesday. <laughs> RIP, Brian. We will never talk about you again, I promise. So that is the last of the Shanna Plan. I am Kyle Posey. You can follow me on the Twitters at KP underscore show. Please rate, subscribe, review on iTunes. Drop us a review. Let us know what you think about the show. Gosh, where can we find you? On the Twitters, you can find me at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. And hopefully we'll be talking to you guys after a Niners win. Until then, go Niners.